Welcome to the Podglomerate. Hello and welcome to Plus 7 Intelligence, the show about how games impact people. My name is Chess. This episode, we are continuing our seven-part series on games and mental health, where we will be covering everything from what to do about gaming addiction to how we can design games to treat mental health conditions. Something happened this week that could have big implications when it comes to video games and mental health. I'm not talking about the Steam Summer Sale. The World Health Organization decided to classify gaming disorder as a mental health condition. As a result of this somewhat surprising development, I decided to move some things around to talk about gaming addiction now rather than later in the series. I am actually putting together an episode specifically about the WHO decision. As for today, my interview is with Cam Adair. He is the founder of Game Quitters, which helps people escape their gaming addiction. I went into the interview a little apprehensive. I had heard him say things that I didn't quite agree with on the subject, and things that disagreed with what other experts on the show have said. But I hope that whatever your perspective is, that you keep an open mind. Because pretty quickly into the interview, I was on board with his passion for helping people, and for helping gamers live their best lives, and I think there's room for different approaches to doing that. This episode is brought to you by Discord. Discord is an all-in-one voice and text chat platform designed for gamers, and it's free to use on your desktop, phone, or tablet. Use it to co-op with friends or to discover new communities of gamers to play with. Get started with Discord by checking out the Plus 7 Intelligence Discord server, the place to discuss how games impact people. Just go to discord.gg slash plus seven. Before we get to the interview, a side quest. The WHO decision was not the only big news this week. News that you might not think has anything to do with video games, but I promise you that it does. In the United States this week, we saw for the first time children of immigrants seeking asylum being taken away and locked in cages. If you were like me, this outraged you. I actually sat down earlier this week to record myself talking about it angrily in a sort of plus seven intelligence public service announcement. I'd only stopped when I saw that an executive order was signed that stopped the child separation policy. At this moment, that seems like only a minor improvement to the overall cruelty, but it was pretty effective at reducing rage levels so that people like me wouldn't take action. And I'm not going to do a PSA. I'm just going to say a couple things. First, vote. Voting is a tool for making a difference, including on this exact system. In the U.S., go to vote.gov to get yourself registered if you haven't. There are deadlines. Does that make sense that there's deadlines? No, but we can talk about the horrible game design of American elections another day. Second, here's where you find out what video games have to do with all of this. You see, as things were heating up, there was a lot of discussion of, well, exactly how bad are the conditions of these makeshift prisons for children? As insane as that is, that was a subject of much debate. And this debate went to the highest level, sadly in exactly one meaning of that expression. 
Proponents of the policy in the White House, as well as detractors, used images of the facilities and the children in them to make their case to the president. One side showing pictures of children crying to show the president the emotional pain that the kids were in. The other showing pictures of them smiling and laughing to convince the president that the kids are not being mistreated. And among them, pictures of kids playing video games in these detention facilities. Now, that detail didn't get much attention. It was just a line in a larger article. But as I thought about it, I realized the implications of it. It shows how the way that people perceive video games matters. Think about not just the president's view on games and how that related to the images that he saw, but the view of every person in the life cycle of those images. What do they believe about games? Do they believe that they are a high-class luxury? Do they know that people who are depressed or stressed often use games as an escape? Do they believe that video games are good for kids or harmful for kids? The sum of all these answers in a collection of different people led to these video games being put into those detention centers, someone taking pictures of kids playing them, those pictures being delivered up level after level, until reaching the President of the United States, and by proxy people like me who read about it. How we talk about games. How gamers are viewed in the world. All of these things had a part to play in the fate of these kids. And to me, that's a very sobering thought. If this little observation doesn't show that games impact every aspect of life, I don't know what does. All right, quest complete. On to the interview. All right, I'm here with Cam Adair. He is the founder of Game Quitters, which is an organization that helps gamers to quit their gaming addiction. Welcome to the show, Cam. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You started Game Quitters based on your own experience with gaming addiction. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so my story is is really just, you know, I was a fairly normal Canadian kid and I went to school, played hockey. I'd go home and play video games. I'm from Canada originally, so that's where the hockey came from. And I went through a lot of intense bullying uh, in the eighth and ninth grades. And up until that point, my gaming was, you know, I, I don't think it's fair for me to classify my gaming up until that point as as healthy. Uh, you know, I fought with my brother a lot over it and, and things like that, uh, standard kid things. But when I was bullied, you know, my gaming went from, you know, not so bad to you know, like 16 hours a day. And I, I ended up dropping out of high school, never graduating. And while all my friends were off to college, I was actually gaming 16 hours a day, living in my parents' basement. I got to a point where I was pretending to have jobs and deceiving my family. I was very depressed and eventually got to a point where I wrote a suicide note. And that's really the night where, you know, I realized I needed to make a change. And that change for me began by quitting gaming. And it's not because I was against gaming or, that I think gaming was the only source of my problems. I just knew that if I was going to fix my life and, and really kind of turn my life around, that uh, removing gaming at that time was was important, mostly because if I continued the game, I knew that I wouldn't do anything else. And I would just, you know, I would maybe, maybe fulfill the bare minimum in my life. 
to be able to pay the bare minimum bills, but then all the rest of my time I would game. And so I decided to quit and just kind of focus 100% of my efforts on, on really kind of like realizing my potential and, and seeing what I could make of myself. And uh, overall, long story short, you know, that, that's been a big success for me, but I relapsed at one point um, after two years. And, and it was during that time that I, I had a lot of insights about my gaming use and why I was so drawn to games and, you know, why maybe they were addictive. And, uh, and that's what led me to, to founding GameQuarters.com, which today is helping about 50,000 people a month in 91 countries all over the world. So you mentioned you had some insights into why games were addictive for you. Can you talk about those? The biggest thing I realized was that gaming wasn't just something I was doing because it was fun. That was obviously part of it. But it was also because of the emotional needs that gaming fulfilled for me. So for me, in my situation, you know, I gamed because they gave me a sense of temporary escape, a sense of social connection. They fulfilled my need for constant measurable growth to see progress. And they also gave me a sense of certainty or a sense of purpose. And, and that was all structured, right? Games are specifically designed that way. You always know what to do next. You have to beat this boss, get this weapon, beat this level. You know, and you also get all this feedback through instant gratification. And life is not always really built that way. You know, to grow in life is, is sometimes not always super easy. You don't always know what to do. But in a game, it's very structured and it's very certain. That's a lot of, you know, why I was so drawn to it. And it was kind of those emotional needs that game fulfilled for me as to why I game so much. Uh, but then I also realized over time that by researching and, and really kind of diving into this issue, that there was a whole other side to the equation, which is just the level of stimulation that you get in games and, and the way that impacts your brain. And, and, you know, that is a whole other side of the equation, I believe. But the emotional needs, I think, is, is a big part of it. And when I speak to that, I, tr I really try to encourage people to think more along the lines of, you know, what is it that draws you to games? Those needs, there's nothing wrong with, you know, needing to fulfill those needs. They're just human needs we have. Uh, but how we choose to fill them is very important. If gaming is a part of that, that's great. Uh, but there are, are certainly alternative ways that you can deal with stress or socially connect or see measurable progress in your life. That's something that I think is, for me, one of the most important parts about understanding gaming and my gaming habits. You know, I mentioned to you before the show that I went through a time in my life where I was playing games way too much and not investing in my life nearly as much. Looking back on that, and I think a lot of gamers have this experience of looking back at their gaming and they feel like, wow, all that time was completely wasted. All that was just basically my life that I threw in the garbage and there's nothing of value from there. But I think understanding, like you said, what was it that drew you to gaming? What was it that, that you got from gaming? What were you looking for? You know, understanding that can be really valuable. That these games, they give you things that are good. They are in many ways good for you. And there are things that your your mind and your body kind of naturally want. They want you want and need social connections. You need a sense of accomplishment. You need these things. And understanding that even if you were playing too much, that doesn't mean that there's something broken about you. It's just that you were looking for these things. You found a place to get them. And maybe it wasn't the best place to get them, or at least there should have been other parts of your life that you should have been or could have been getting them from, or other things in your life that you should have 
think maybe you're kind of distracted from. And like you said, simulation plays a big part in that. Well, one of the challenges with gaming is that gaming fulfills all of these in one activity very well, especially because it's a fully immersive experience. And the challenge with balancing these needs out, fulfilling them with you know a, a range of activities instead of just one in gaming is is that gaming just fills all of them you know on its own and so you don't really feel the same desire to you know find other ways to deal with stress or to find other ways to socially connect or find other ways to feel a sense of you know confidence or prestige or accomplishment or growth progress or purpose or certainty because games just do it all for you in in one simple game and and it's also a very safe place in games, you can fail and you just press the respawn button. In life, you apply for that job and you get rejected and that hurts. And gaming also becomes a sense of identity. You know, you are someone and you're able to craft that to be someone specific. You have a lot of control over that. You also have a lot of control over your social experience and the fact that, you know, I couldn't control the fact that every single day I'd go to school and kids would chase me around the school trying to put me in a garbage can. But in a game, I could block them. I could go to a different server. I could go to a different game. So there was a lot more control over your experience. And gaming also becomes something very meaningful, right? Like you've been doing it for 10, 15 years and you know, you're know you nostalgic about it. Uh, just yesterday on Twitter, I saw there's a Twitter moment around one of the Counter-Strike tournaments that was going on. And you know, for me, Counter-Strike was like such a meaningful experience of my life when I was growing up. And I instantly craved it you know i instantly had an urge to like oh i wish i could go play counter-strike right now even though for me like i haven't gamed in you know seven years and i know that if i started playing it it would not be a good a good idea for me even at this point in my life so the challenge is that the gaming fulfills all of these emotional needs and the level of stimulation all in one thing in a very immersive fun very specifically intentionally designed experience adding all of those factors in i think that's where you know we have to be a little bit aware of our gaming use not because games are inherently bad or wrong but because it's very easy to find justifications to continue the game and not have a a balance of activities what you said about games being a safe space it reminds me of when I was playing games so much, it was because I was unemployed and I was in a situation where I was getting tons of interviews for jobs, but I just never got the job. And actually one job, they gave me the job. And then a couple of weeks later, they basically said, no, we changed our mind. I was actually ready to move to a new city, literally trying to pick out apartment. And then they said, no, don't, don't come up. We're not going to hire you. So to me, it felt like in my real life, when I met people, they would just kind of reject me. Um, but then at the same time, I was playing a game with people that I had never met, that it was just online, and they liked having me around. You know, I was in a weekly raid group in the Star Wars game, and they wanted me there multiple times a week. So it was like in my real life, if I met someone, they kind of were like, eh, we pass. And then in the game, I was like, well, you're a pretty decent DPS. You're not a hassle to have around. Sure, come along. You know, so it was basically like my experiences in real life and the game felt like complete opposites. So that definitely resonates with me that 
games are a safe space. They enable you to do things and and feel things that real life is kind of short on supply sometimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's where, you know, for anyone listening to this, like whether you're a gamer or you're not, or you've struggled with gaming, you know, you're currently struggling with it, you're not, you know, I think it's it's just bringing it back to like coming at this from just a place of compassion and openness and really just using this as an opportunity to to consider what your relationship to gaming is like or what your relationship is to the things that you do. You know, we're using gaming as a topic here to kind of look into, you know, why is it that maybe people are drawn to it? But you could replace gaming with anything else, any other behavior, and evaluate it in the same way. And I think when you're looking at, you know, maybe why do you not do things that you maybe should do, like apply for a job or, you know, go to school or whatever it is that, that maybe you're procrastinating on, you can also evaluate it from, you know, the different needs that it may not be fulfilling for you. Or maybe you can redirect that energy. Or if your gaming is, is getting a bit out of hand, instead of evaluating it based on the number of hours, which, you know, a lot of society likes to do, which, you know, research is very uh, inconclusive about, you know, it's, it's really looking more at, you know, what are the signs that it's a problem and, and why is it becoming a problem? And, you know, how can you kind of, you know, just find a, a greater sense of health in your life, whether that involves continuing to game or shifting your behavior around it or, or whatnot. It's, it's just what's your relationship like to it? And the more you can come at it from that perspective and just focus on the relationship, I think the more it moves away from a, like, is gaming good or bad conversation, which isn't really helpful for you and it's not really helpful for the collective at large. If people are listening to lots of episodes, they know that I would probably say that most of the time gaming is good. There's a reason that I search out for people in all walks of life who game, because I think in general games are good. You know, even though my my past with it is somewhat complicated. And my next question was going to be about, you know, the indicators that that a gaming habit has become a problem. And you kind of already touched on that. So I'd probably also add for me, what I kind of realized, which was hard in the moment, but looking back, it was obvious that it was definitely a problem for me when I would continue to play a game, even though I was driving no actual enjoyment from it. I was just doing it because I woke up in the morning and I couldn't think of anything else I wanted to do. And I play and I'd continue playing even when I got really frustrated, but not the good kind of frustrated that like you're excited, the bad kind of frustrated where you're just like, I'm just going to keep going. I don't want to do anything else. I'm just going to keep doing this because that's what I'm going to do to fill my time. And of course, I never fill my brain, but if I'm leaving a gaming session and I'm just kind of mad, that's a really bad sign. So for me, that was kind of something that I wish I had reflected on earlier, because in the moment, it was hard to realize that I was actually doing that on a pretty daily basis for a while. Yeah. And, you know, for anyone listening, like when it comes to evaluating, if you have, you know, a challenge around this issue, I think you know, what's great now is we have some pretty good research around that. And especially, you know, the World Health Organization has just said, you know, they're they're looking at classifying it next year as a, an official mental health challenge. That's coming out in the ICD-11, which 
I personally find the proposed criteria for video game addiction through the DSM-5, which is the APA's proposed criteria, is, is a little bit more in-depth. Uh, not, I guess maybe not so much in-depth, but it's a bit easier to read. And uh, just if anyone wants to read it, you can go to gamequeers.com uh, slash proposed and, and see that. But I can read it to you quickly. So I think when you're evaluating this, you always want to start with is it having a negative impact in your life or are you continuing to play despite a negative impact in your life? Any sort of addiction or just problematic use or problematic behavior always begins with continued use despite negative impact. And the difference between passion and addiction is negative impact, right? So you can be super passionate about something. And if you evaluated this criteria that, that I'll share in a moment, you might find that you meet a lot of the criteria, but the difference between passion and addiction is negative impact. So when you're evaluating yourself, you really want to think about, you know, preoccupation. Are you, are you thinking about games all day long? Are you at school and you're constantly thinking like, okay, how much time is left before I can get out of here and go back and game? Uh, and it's not one of these things on our own. It's a combination of these that you really want to look at, especially five out of the nine. The next thing you want to look at is, are you having withdrawal symptoms when gaming is taken away or, or when you're not gaming? I remember I went to Italy on a family trip when I was younger. And honestly, I couldn't have cared less about being in Italy because I just wanted to be back home gaming. And I was very irritable about it. So are you having withdrawal symptoms when you're not gaming, especially boredom? Now, boredom has been found through research with Dr. Daniel King to be an actual withdrawal symptom that you're having. And that's due to the difference in stimulation between games in real life. You also want to look at tolerance. Uh, in games, this is less appropriate because you know you might not need to play more and more and more and more. It might be more you're playing more and more and more because gaming is the only thing that you want to do. You also want to look at, you know, have you tried to quit, but you failed to, or, or have you tried to limit your time and you failed to, you know, any sort of like relapsing in that, in that sense, you know, is a big sign. You also want to look at, have you lost interest in all other activities? If you, you know, gaming has become the only thing that you're doing outside of maybe your, your obligations like school or work, you know, that's something you want to, you want to look at. And, you know, have you deceived people? You know, have you lied to people? Have you stolen money? Have, have you done anything along those lines where you're not able to be honest about your behavior? You know, that's a big red flag. Are you using games to escape? And have you more than anything, have you jeopardized or lost, you know, significant relationship, a job, an educational or career opportunity because of games? Any of those signs, I think you want to start, you know, really being honest about. Uh, but if you're seeing like five or more of those, then that's definitely something you want to, you want to be looking at. Now, a word about Discord, sponsor of this series on games and mental health. Discord allows you to join or create a server for free that you can use to connect via voice chat and text chat. Connect with people you know or people you share interests with, like favorite game genre or favorite streamer. It runs on your phone or in the background of your game so you can always stay connected with gamers across platforms. Check out the Discord server for Plus 7 Intelligence listeners to discuss the ways that games are impacting the world. When the World Health Organization dropped its decision about gaming disorder, the first place I went to discuss my thoughts on it was the Plus 7 Discord. And we talked about how game designers and even gamers sometimes want games to be addictive. It included some input from former guests on the show, and I will be incorporating some of the topics 
into the next episode on gaming addiction. This server is the place to be if you care about games. Join in. To get started with Discord, go to discord.gg slash plus seven, or within Discord, simply type in plus seven as the server. P-L-U-S numeral seven. I'll have a link on plus7intelligence.com as well. Plus 7 Intelligence is also brought to you by Mac Weldon. I admit it, I had a lucky pair of underwear. And recently I had to retire it, along with a bunch of other clothes. And to get some new gear, I mean clothes, I turned to Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon is reinventing men's basics. They believe in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. You might have heard about Mac Weldon underwear, but you can also get a full loadout there. Shorts, shirts, accessories, whatever you need. You can easily find what you're looking for to min-max, with descriptions of the benefits of the uniquely engineered fabrics and styles on every page. I didn't see any that had a luck bonus attached to them, but we'll see how the stats roll when they arrive. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and enter promo code PLUS7 at checkout. P-L-U-S numeral 7. And finally, I want to tell you about another great show, Laser Time. Laser Time is a hyper-silly, multimedia-infused podcast hosted by professional nerds that tackles a brand new pop culture topic each week. Recent topics include everything from toys that injured children, classic cartoon references explained, directors that were fired in the middle of a film, or just simply the best of Norm MacDonald. Recently, Laser Time tackled the topic of moral panics aimed at popular culture. Video games are no stranger to moral panics, as we learned in episode 20 of Plus 7. Check it out on lasertimepodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, enjoy a clip from the episode of Laser Time about moral panics. This week on Laser Time, the internet's seventh leading pop culture podcast, the gang is tackling a brand new topic. As of 1984. Oh yes. Um, what do you think? Uh, what do you think, Phil Phillips, Prince Gary, not Prince Gary, Pastor Gary, <laughs> are going to have a problem with ET? Is there anything you can guess off the top of your head? Oh man, um, cross dressing. Well, it's against violence. Darius totally cross dressing. <laughs> <laughs> Adamantly against cross dressing. He, he saved that scorn for uh, someone else, okay. but uh, ET, the extraterrestrial. What do you? What can we say about him? Well, E.T. smashed box office records in 1982 by doing $318 million. It was a camouflage occult movie, including uh, levitation, psychic healing, mind control, uh, mental telepathy. E.T. also included some inferences to homosexuality. What? No, it didn't. (laughs) No, it didn't. False. Let me see the part of your brain. That's he, he doesn't go on to elaborate. Oh, I was gonna say, like, well, you just pause it, so go on. There are he doesn't. There is not a hint of any kind of sexuality in this is entire film. Is it the mom's film. haircut? Uh, oh wait, no, he does kiss someone <laughs> while drunk. Jesus Christ, the eighties were weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the mom's haircut is a little gay. <laughs> I say this as having her haircut right now. <laughs> That's Laser Time. New every Monday on LaserTimePodcast.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to my interview with Cam Adair, founder of Game Quitters. Tonight on NBC. Will everyone in the cardiac surgical department please raise your hands? Thank you. You're all fired. Based on an inspiring true story. Any department who places billing above care, you will be terminated. One doctor. 
will break every rule. Just tell me what you need, what your patients need. To inspire a revolution. Let's get into some trouble. Let's be doctors again. From the network that brings you This Is Us, New Amsterdam, tonight on NBC. Those criteria are interesting, and I don't know if we want to go too deep in it. Like you said, they're easy to read. I think that a lot of gamers have at least one of those symptoms, sometimes two or three, but it's hard to tell where the line definitely starts that it's a problem because some of those are are pretty easy to to fulfill, even as a gamer with a steady day job and lots of other responsibilities. But I don't know if it's been recorded, but I know I've had conversations with psychologists who have a little bit of an issue with how just how easy it is for that to be applied to someone who we probably wouldn't call a game addict. Well, I think that's where the line begins with negative impact. And so there, there's a contingent of researchers out there who are against video game addiction. And I always read their stuff because I like to know what you know people are saying. And they always look, they, they go into this criteria and they, and they say, if you take five out of the nine, like you take preoccupation, you know, you, you take using it to escape a negative mood, you take it like wanting to play more, you know, you, you take some of these, like, and you evaluate it based on someone who has a passion, you know, you'll find the same criteria. But the thing that's always ironic to me is they never choose the one that says that they continue to play despite negative impact Mm -hmm. or that they've literally lost a job or a relationship to continue the game. And that's, you know, personally, if I was to revise the criteria, I would start with, do you meet criteria for negative impact? And if you do, then let's evaluate the other ones to see, you know, what the severity is potentially. But if you're not meeting negative impact, then I would say that you're maybe more along the lines of having a passion. But if you're meeting negative impact, and again, that you know, negative impact could be a bit broad, but you know, we can like individualize it. Then I think that's where you really want to have that conversation. And for me, I'm just—it's always ironic that when when there's a conversation that comes up around gaming addiction, and someone's trying to suggest that it's not an addiction, and they're even going into the criteria to suggest that, they always neglect to choose you know the one main thing, which is ultimately the the distinction between addiction and not is a clear, you know, significant impairment. And and that literally is in the definition of error, that gaming disorder, which is a proposed criteria. And also in the ICD criteria, you know, it, it literally defines it as clinically significant impairment or distress. And I think that's where, you know, at least for me, when I'm looking at a clinical diagnosis, and I'm not a clinician, so you know, take this all with a grain of salt, but when I'm looking at a clinical diagnosis for someone, it has to begin with it's having a significant impairment in their life. And then from there, we can we can dive deeper. But if it's not having a negative impact, I don't see the big deal. But if it is, I definitely think people need to get help. Yeah, I think I think that definitely makes a lot of sense. And that's an interesting point. Passion versus addiction. Yeah, that's definitely from the outside or even from the inside. That may be hard to to distinguish. So if people look at these criteria or some of this stuff is resonating about the ways that games have been detrimental to 
their life or, you know, they think they might be addicted or they need help. What's what's the first piece of advice that you give to people who are looking to change their gaming habits? So I think of kind of like four different steps. You know, the first is is commit to 90 days off gaming. And I, I like to suggest that as an experiment. So if you're someone listening to this and you're wondering, you know, or feeling like, you know, maybe your gaming habits have got a little bit out of out of whack or, or maybe you need to shift your behavior a little bit, you know, I really like to just suggest take 90 days off and use that as a reset. And at the end of that 90 day period, you can reevaluate and you can look at what you've learned and you can look at your relationship to it and, and see if you want to reintegrate it in some way. And, you know, I don't just suggest that for gaming. I also suggest it for anything. You know, that's why I'm taking 90 days off coffee right now, just to evaluate what my relationship is like to it. And that's been quite insightful overall. And then if I reintroduce it, there there's a level of contrast I have between my life with coffee or with gaming and my life without it. It really helps me actually be able to moderate it or, or really actually be able to evaluate you know, how I want to integrate it. Uh, if you've been gaming since you were young, you may not have even had a period of your life where you have gone without it. So I think actually creating that, that reference point is extremely important if you want to be able to, to have very healthy use. And if you can't go 90 days without it, then, you know, that's obviously a big sign that, you know, you should. So that's where it begins, the 90-day detox. The second part is just, you know, identifying why you game what needs it fulfills for you and finding those in some new activities. I suggest things like, you know, programming or music production. You know, those are really more immersive experiences where you get to see growth and progress. And there's a ton of social communities around them. And they can also be, you know, a way to escape. Like they're very immersive. So those are really good. You know, finding things like yoga or going to the gym or for me, surfing has been really great to kind of get that escape. But in a way that, I go back to life excited to kind of like deal with things instead of gaming where I could just escape permanently basically for hours and hours and hours and, and never actually have to come back and deal with things. I also really suggest to make sure you find new ways to make friends uh, because if you're gaming and, and gaming is, is the, the main source of your social community, you'll be gaming just to stay in touch with people and just to be a part of a community more than because you actually want to play. And I think just balancing out your social circle with, you know, different types of people who have different interests is so important. You know, just making sure you're aware of things that you can do at home when you're tired and bored from the day, other than gaming. So maybe listening to podcasts, maybe learning to cook, learning a new language. I think it's important to be engaged in your life and to be engaged in the things that you're doing instead of just, you know, really being entertained all the time through passive consumption. And it's kind of this idea of be, be a creator, not a consumer. So just be aware of, you know, how you could integrate more creation into your life. Uh, and maybe that's game development. Maybe that's programming in a different way. But, you know, really like contributing to the creation of the type of life you want instead of just the consumption of entertainment to just kind of kill your time. Uh, and the next part is really just make sure that you're structuring your day, especially your free time. If you're having problematic use in any way, Gaming is very much your habit. It's your go-to activity whenever you don't have anything else to do or, or you know, you're looking to escape. So just becoming more aware of that and scheduling your day, using a calendar, using an agenda, adding more structure to your life will make it really easy for you to be able to follow through 
and find a support community or find accountability, whether that's, you know, game quitters or stop gaming on Reddit, or maybe it's just an uncle that you really like to talk to or trust and being able to talk to them and, and just share your experience. Finding someone that you trust, maybe a friend that you can kind of be honest with is really important and to have that support. Uh, we know peer support is is a huge, huge thing in, in being able to recover and, and just stay in a healthy place. So, you know, finding someone that you trust will go a far away as well. Yeah, I think those are some great suggestions. Any kind of habit can be really hard to break. People have trouble with weight loss, diet, exercise all the time. People have trouble stopping biting their nails. Any kind of habit is hard to break. I don't think there's been a point where I've ever tried to completely cut out games in my life, but there have been points where I've realized that going to the computer to play a game basically is my first instinct that that's not a good idea. And so I've tried to cut back and even cutting back hours can be really difficult because it was a habit. So, you know, I think some of those suggestions are are really important, you know, knowing why you're doing it so that you can replace gaming with a hobby or two or even three that give you those same pressure points, those same needs, basically leaving a void where gaming was, that's probably a recipe for, for failure. I know that's where it was with me. I would just say, okay, I'm just not going to game until this hour. And then I wouldn't have a plan for that gap. And so I would just be like, well, might as well start early. You know, I'll quit early tonight. Sure. Like, you know, that's, that's a plan that's destined for failure. Yeah. That never happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that there, there is a lot more science and understanding of the basis of habits about how to deal with cravings and understanding the, the feedback loops that go into to habits. I think that, that looking at other areas, other advice about how to change habits can be applied to games. I think those, I think good information is more available now than it used to be. Even though I think that a lot of places don't, they don't really see gaming as, like they see gaming as something different. Like it is difficult to get advice specific to gaming that isn't, you know, condescending or, you know, written from the perspective of, you know, psychologists telling parents how to get their kids off the computer, how to get the kids off the controller. But I think good information is out there. Yeah, I mean, you're preaching, um, <laughs> especially like, you know, just for context, I've been at the front of this issue since 2011. So now, and it's a big reason why I started Game Quarters ultimately was just to give people better information. And that's ultimately why we, we've been able to to do the work and, and help the people we have is is because I think, it, you know, if if someone wants to quit, the information that's available to them now is pretty good. You know, like there's 200 videos on YouTube on our channel that will answer almost every question you could ever imagine on that subject. You know, there's a whole community of people who, who will support you as well. And, you know, there's 30,000 journal entries of people sharing their experiences where you can really hear just from them. You know, and no one even has to believe me. Just go read their stories. You know, like it's, I have my story and, and I can share that, but ultimately, you know, there's tons of other people out there who have stories too. And I think the challenge is even now you'll, you'll see more and more as this issue is, is more of a hot topic, 
that you see more and more articles written on it in news and you see more parents writing about it and things like that. And, and just most people have no idea what they're talking about and they see it and, and they see this issue and they're like, Oh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about it. Uh, but the level of depth that they're able to go on this issue is incredibly, incredibly surface level, you know, and, and they kind of just give the typical advice that, that people would think would be a good idea that doesn't actually work. Yeah. And, and we were talking before we recorded how seeing different stories is important. You have your story, which led you to start Game Quitters. And then I have my story, which which led me to starting a blog and now having a podcast that I'm generally pro games. Essentially, we have different paths. At the start, I don't know what the people in your life were like, but you know, I felt like I had pressure to kind of just stop the gaming, period. I think a lot of other people have a similar experience where people would just say, hey, stop gaming, just stop. And then there really wasn't a lot of support through that. But there are a lot of stories of a lot of different paths, a lot of different stories of people who have had a problem with games. They've gone on to to do great things. I interviewed the founder of Habitica, basically said that he was playing World of Warcraft and he looked at his hands, was like, what am I doing with my life? Why am I spending all my time doing this when I could be developing myself? And I've heard that story many times that people have had this realization they need to stop and they do turn it around. So basically what I'm trying to boil down to is that we have different stories and there are plenty of stories of people who have turned their lives around and use games as inspiration or or they've used inspiration from games to go on to do to do really cool things. And I fully support that and, and fully encourage everyone out there to do that for themselves. I think it's just what I've learned is fulfillment comes from engagement, not passive entertainment. But passive entertainment is very seductive. I, I mentioned this before, and I think I've heard you talk about it on your podcast. And this is something that's very interesting to me because it's it's kind of the thread that started me starting this podcast uh, was how can gamers turn their gaming experience, even if it came from a negative gaming habit, how can they turn that gaming experience into a positive force or a positive inspiration for their lives? I think that just begins by first seeing life as the ultimate video game and you are the character you get to play. So what do you want to do? And I think what happens sometimes is, is if you're involved in the world of gaming and it is a way to escape or it's, it's a bit excessive, it just becomes all encompassing and nothing else is really that exciting. For me, I just have found, you know, the way I approached gaming is very much the same way I approach surfing or approach business. You know, I played a lot. I focused a lot on, on being able to not just play, but play well. You know, I had like routines before I would start playing to get myself into the right mindset. I watched tutorials. I watched other people play. I even hired a coach at one point. You know, like the way I approached gaming taught me a lot about how I could be achieving certain levels of success in my life outside of gaming in any other activity or any other dream or goal I had. So I, I think when it comes to using your gaming as a force for good, I think, you know, there's different angles that you come at that from. For instance, there's 
a lot of people probably listening to this who have channeled it into game development, which is fantastic. I also think there's ways that you can take game design or what you know about games to be able to apply it in different areas. You know, we're trying to do some of that with helping people be able to overcome behavioral addictions while also being aware of, you know, doing it in a very healthy way. So I, I think, you know, for people out there, like everyone's going to have something different. I found so much value in just using my gaming experience to share my story and that connecting with a lot of other people that has now really blossomed the community into what it is today and now inspiring other people to share their story. So I think you can come at it from a lot of different angles, but more than anything, I would just really encourage people to pursue a life that's full of fulfillment and happiness and purpose and is something beyond just consumption and entertainment uh, because they're very fleeting and they're very surface level. And I, I've just found so much more experience of life in the depth of it and really diving deeper into it. And it's been quite a long journey. It's you know seven plus years without gaming and nine years or so more than that now of, of me really pursuing personal development personally as much as possible. But I've just found so much depth in that experience. And uh, I would just really encourage people to, to pursue that as well and in whatever kind of thread they feel inspired to. And, and if you don't know what that is right now, just start experimenting and try different things and stick with them a little bit longer than you normally would. Because even with DJing, at first it was so hard, I almost quit. But then I just continued to kind of play a little bit and, and try to figure it out. And and now it's one of my favorite things in the world. So, you know, just just be willing to kind of like be a bit more resilient, uh, give things a bit more time. Passion doesn't come overnight. It comes to, you know, over time and, and through challenge and experience. And so, yeah, just experiment, try to find the different things you're, you're interested in and, and uh, the different skills you want to develop. And I think doing that, you'll find a lot of things in your life that, that are super valuable and, and that whether your gaming experience has helped you with that or it's something you're using uh, to, to expand beyond, I think that's all good. Uh, I think that's fantastic. I definitely agreed. What you're saying can definitely help people to see their own lives in a different way. That I think that the cloud of, of doubt and criticism, it keeps people down, but we can flip it and make people see their life in a different way. Absolutely. I think that's probably a great note to end on, actually. Where can people find your work and learn more about Game Quitters? Gamequitters.com, Game Quitters on YouTube. You can find me at Cameron Dare on Instagram, Twitter. And if you just search Cameron Dare, you'll be able to find me. And if you're listening to this, I'd love to hear from you. Just uh, send me an email or, or message me. Love to hear what you took away from this and, and what you thought. Uh, even if you disagree, that's cool. And yeah, if you're someone out there who feels like you are ready to make a shift or you need to make a shift. Uh, you're not alone and there's a whole community excited to support you. So just reach out. Uh, it takes a lot of courage, uh, but uh, we honor you and uh, gamequares.com has everything you need. All right. Thanks a lot. And I will link to all of that stuff in the show notes so people can find it. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, Cam. Thanks so much for having me. I was so glad to have Cam come on the show to get his perspective. We're all tired of people who don't know anything about games telling us how we should feel about them. 
it's refreshing to have someone open up about their experiences and honestly try to help people. Before I go, I have a bonus tip. The 2018 Games for Change Festival is this weekend. Games for Change is all about positive impact games. So if you like this show, you will definitely be interested in the games being showcased. You will want to follow it because of the great developments happening in games, and it may prepare you for a future episode of Plus 7. That's Games for Change. It runs June 28th through the 30th, and I can't be there, but I'll be following it at festival.gamesforchange.org. That's it for this week's Intelligence Boost. I'm working on having another special episode for you on gaming addiction, specifically what this whole World Health Organization gaming disorder decision means tangibly and practically for gamers and mental health. As I'm recording this, some plans for that episode have been delayed, but even if it gets pushed back, there will be something new for you Monday. Subscribe so you don't miss it, and let me know your thoughts in the Plus 7 Intelligence Discord at discord.gg slash plus 7. Thanks for listening. I'll see you in 7. Tonight on NBC. Will everyone in the cardiac surgical department please raise your hands? Thank you. You're all fired. Based on an inspiring true story. Any department who places billing above care, you will be terminated. One doctor will break every rule. Just tell me what you need, what your patients need. To inspire a revolution. Let's get into some trouble. Let's be doctors again. From the network that brings you This Is Us, New Amsterdam, tonight on NBC.